Every year, followers of Jesus celebrate Holy Week, the week leading up to Easter. From Palm Sunday all the way to Holy Saturday, Christians stop and remember the journey Jesus took to the cross. The phrase Holy Week started being thrown around in the fourth century by this guy named Athanasius who realized we needed to take some time every year to slow down and remember what Jesus did. But here we are 17 centuries later and life has not just sped up, it's sped up tremendously. Which means this year, more than ever, we need to slow down and not rush our way through Holy Week. That's the goal of season five of Stories in Scripture. This is an invitation to slow down. We're not gonna rush. We're going to reflect on Holy Week one day at a time, and it all begins with the moment Jesus, the Savior of the world, rode into Jerusalem for his final few days before he went to the cross. Welcome to Season 5 of Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. This season, we are following Jesus, day by day, as he journeys to the cross. No matter what time of year you are listening, this season is an invitation to slow down and remember the greatest act of love of all time. This is Holy Week. Why are you doing this? Bartholomew and Philip exchange uneasy looks. Philip shook his head slightly and drops the reins. Bartholomew sighs and stares at his feet. The Lord needs it and will send it back here when he is done. Then take it and go, my friend. Philip tugged at the reins and started to walk back to Jesus. Bartholomew looked hesitantly at the man who'd let them leave with the colt. It shouldn't surprise him that Jesus was right. It does, but it shouldn't. He turns and follows Philip. What is the colt for, my lord? Peter asks. Jesus mounts the colt and looks at Peter. I go to Jerusalem to bring the kingdom of God, patting the animal on the neck as he talks. And this is as good a ride as any. Peter chuckles uneasily. He knows that's not true. He knows that Jesus knows that's not true. Actually, he isn't sure what his teacher knows, but the twinkle in Jesus' eye is as good a clue as Peter has ever had from the man. This week, one of the holiest in all of Israel's year has become a mystery for him and the other 11 men who have given up everything to follow Rabbi. Peter falls in behind the colt as Jesus urges it towards the city. The group is an unusual sight. One itinerant teacher riding a donkey, followed by his disciples into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Many teachers and religious types come into the city. That was not the unusual part. In fact, the road to the city was full of God's people heading to the temple to celebrate their freedom from Egypt. The people who saw him come in spreading their cloaks on the ground for him? That. That was the unusual part. The first few people who saw them didn't do it. 
but gradually the crowds began to murmur about the man from Nazareth who worked miracles. The news spread through the people. Whispers, looks, fingers, all directed at the thirteen road-worn men. Peter shot a look at John, who nudged his brother. The twelve grew nervous. Crowds went one of two ways with Jesus. Which way would it be today? A young family stopped in front of them and turned. Jesus pulled up the colt to a stop and looked down at the family with a gentle smile. Wordlessly, the father, no older than the rabbi himself, took his cloak off and laid it down on the road. His family followed, laying garments on the road for Jesus. The father looked back at Jesus and smiled. Hosanna! The word rang high above the noise of the crowd. It shocked Peter. And clearly it shocked the crowd. People all around them stopped and looked. Hosanna! The man shouted again. Somewhere, beyond sight, someone responded to the man's call. Hosanna! Slowly, noise rippled out from where they had stopped. At first, the voices are whispers and soft murmurs. Another cloak is placed on the road. Branches. More cloaks. The voices rise with each one thrown down before Jesus. The crowd ahead begins to part and echo from many generations ago in the desert of Egypt. More cloaks. More branches. The crowd begins to shout out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. The crowd is in a frenzy now. They have begun to recognize the man of miracles, the teacher who travels, the rabbi who goes to the furthest reaches of the land. The final cry reaches its crescendo as Jesus and the twelve reach the gates of Jerusalem. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means save us. So to set the scene, the Israelites were not free at this moment. Rome ruled the known world. and The people had been waiting on the edge of their seat for a savior to ride into town, raise up a rebellion, and overthrow Rome. Save us. And if you've ever heard this story, you know that they spread palm branches on the road, which is why we call it Palm Sunday. Palm branches are a sign of triumph, salvation, victory. This is the culmination of a journey that started all the way back with Abraham in Genesis 12, when he left his home because God said, go and I will make you a great nation. Here we are 2,000 years later and all the Israelites are gathered in Jerusalem where they have been eagerly waiting a savior, the Messiah, the one who would come to save them. So Jesus rides into town. They spread palm branches out before him as a sign of victory, and they shout, save us. Now they knew the Messiah was coming from the line of David. David was a mighty warrior, the giant killer, who defeated armies and killed his tens of thousands. So what kind of savior do you think they were expecting? In my opinion, I imagine they would want a war hero, an army general, 
the one who was going to triumph. In fact, I love that we call this the triumphal entry because it was, but not the way we typically think about triumph. It wasn't physical victory in the here and now. It was something much different. And if you are an Israelite, you are probably expecting some grand entrance from one who is going to change everything. Instead, you see Jesus slowly riding into town on a colt. By the way, donkeys were a sign of peace, so war generals would ride in on horses. But Jesus came to make a statement. He wasn't here for battle. He was here for peace. This always makes me think about Aladdin riding into Agrabah while the genie sings about all the great victories of Prince Ali. How he's got 75 golden camels and purple peacocks, he's got 53, and forget about a donkey or a horse, he goes with an elephant. And there is dancing and a marching band, the whole town is there caught up in the hype, ready to find someone to rally behind. Here's what's interesting. Aladdin put on a grand show because he was trying to convince the world that he was someone he was not. Jesus didn't need a show because he already knew who he was. I've noticed in my life that when I'm trying to put on a show, so to speak, it's usually because deep down I'm trying to be someone I'm not. But when I'm walking in my lane, being who God created me to be, I'm less concerned with trying to impress and more interested in trying to inspire. Jesus riding into Jerusalem is the ultimate example of this. He wasn't putting on a show. He wasn't trying to convince everyone he was someone he was not because he already knew who he was. So the Israelites are expecting the savior from the line of David to ride in and overthrow Rome. They're shouting, Hosanna, save us, because a new day is here. And in their mind, worldly triumph looks like physical victory in the here and now. And then in rides the man who says things like, put your sword away, turn the other cheek, pray for your enemies, love those who hate you because kingdom triumph looks like loving your neighbor, serving, and being okay with being last. Jesus rides into town as if to say, I'm going to save you, but it's not going to look like you think. Because make no mistake about it, Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Jesus did overcome sin and death by dying on the cross and then walking out of his tomb three days later. But it's not like the Israelites were suddenly free from all Roman oppression in that moment, right? Rome was still ruling the world and the next several decades would actually be full of a lot of difficulties for the Israelites. Why? Because when we remember the triumphal entry, we remember a different kind of triumph, a kingdom triumph. It wasn't a physical victory in the here and now, it was a spiritual victory and most of the fruit of the victory wouldn't come until much, much later. Now in a world of instant gratification, this story can be water for our thirsty souls. Instant gratification is the air we breathe. Think about the latest diet 
or workout program? What's the selling point? If you go on this diet or do this workout for this amount of time, you will see these results. And so we go to the gym once and we wanna be in good shape or we eat one salad for lunch one time and we think we're going to hit our goal. Or when it comes to emotional health, we wanna to go to a counselor once and be fixed. One round of therapy and our soul wounds are suddenly healed. Or in the spiritual realm, we wanna read our Bibles once and be different. We wanna meditate once and suddenly be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We want worldly triumph. In the kingdom, it looks less like marching into town on an elephant that isn't real, wearing a costume that isn't yours, trying to convince the world you've arrived, and it looks more like riding into Jerusalem on a colt or on a donkey. Kingdom triumph, the Jesus way, is the long game. And like the best wine, it can't be rushed. This season is all about slowing down and experiencing that kingdom triumph. We are going to walk through the final week of Jesus's life together, one day at a time, and watch how he brilliantly brings forth the victory, the triumph that every Israelite didn't know they actually needed. Some moments may feel backwards. Some moments are going to feel strange, but listen all the way until the end because by Resurrection Sunday or Easter, I have a feeling you are going to understand what Jesus did for you on a whole new level. Because worldly triumph is temporary, but kingdom triumph is eternal. Worldly triumph is a quick fix, but kingdom triumph is a lasting transformation. Worldly triumph looks good at first, but kingdom triumph is an acquired taste. Because worldly triumph may change something, but kingdom triumph changes everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. We hope this season is helping Jesus' journey to the cross come alive for you in a whole new way. To find out more about this project, visit our website, storiesinscripture.com, follow us on Instagram at storiesinscripture, and please be sure to rate and review this podcast. We'll see you next time for another story.